0: I can read, you can read, we can read, we're reading together, I married you, you married me, we got married, yeah we married each other, now we're reading books, talking in mics, discussing stuff, with one another, we're a, a couple's book club. Hello.
1: Hel- hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hey Hi Exactly
0: Welcome to Couples Book Club I'm Lauren That's Isaac Yes
1: <laughs>
0: uh, We're married to each other True uh, And we both read the same book And we're going to talk about it
1: It's pretty much like a book club It's a good rundown of the, the premise of this, this Well, in podcast. case you're
0: tuning in for the first time
1: first time listeners. in case
0: you accidentally pressed play on something random on um, you know your podcast player and you're just like what is this
1: I just told you what it was so I had to experience literary magic <laughs> <laughs> that's what's happening the electric book machine <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's been a while. Um, it's been a while.
1: Thank you. Sarah, I was uh, thinking about that. Was <laughs> wait, waiting to crack that one out. Yeah. Can't do that dude's voice. Don't have the right number and location of piercings, but...
0: Sure. It's in there. Sure, 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 sure. I still have a head injury. In fact, I re-injured it. I had to get an MRI. Guess what the MRI said? That my intracranial contents were unremarkable, which...
1: Rude. It's kind of a read, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it's pretty shady. It's pretty shady. Uh, imaging technician. Realized
1: the library was open there.
0: <laughs> um. So headaches. Um, pretty much what I got going on all the time.
1: Cool, cool, cool. I did
0: eventually read this book though, long after Isaac
1: had finished it. Yeah, I finished this I think <laughs> like two months ago. A couple months, yeah, it was early March. So uh the book we read for this episode was
0: Jonathan W. White's uh book, Midnight in America Darkness, Sleep and Dreams during the Civil War. We read it. Yep. And it was about the stuff that it says it's it, about. It delivers on the promise yeah. of its
1: title. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's accurate.
0: So, um, there's not a ton to say about this book. It was pretty interesting. And it was actually a pretty breezy read when you got into it.
1: Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, because, I mean, like, substantial chunks of it are just, like, him quoting people recounting their dreams.
0: Yeah. Right. It's, it's, yeah, for a, a history book, it's not real, um... The analysis is—I'm not sure what the right word. I don't, I don't want to say thin because I don't want to be like negative about it.
1: Well, not like super. It also sounds negative, but not like super academic. Like it's not right, super dry or like rigid or structured. It feels fairly right. like natural. Right. It's a organic. cultural.
0: It's a cultural history, but it's yeah, um, kind of a collection of yeah quotations and passages from the like primary sources but in this case the primary sources are largely people's personal like journals and letters, letters and stuff yeah yeah um so
1: i think i think that's one sort of notable oversight is that to the best of my knowledge he did not interview any ghosts
0: Are you fucking kidding me? How did Step i miss one, that? Step 1,
1: man. Step 1.
0: Ask the ghosts what did you used to dream about when you were alive?
1: Yeah. What what have you been dreaming about as a ghost? Do ghosts dream? Do you sleep? They're asleep all the time.
0: I mean, they are. They're they're sleeping peacefully in the inky blackness of death. Obviously, but
1: no, maybe not that peacefully. <laughs> well, if they're ghosts, they're not peaceful. Yeah, got unresolved business or business, if you will.
0: I I I shan't. What. <laughs>
1: Dropping in some uh, some Ludacris. I I I'm kidding. I love that song. This podcast featuring Ludacris.
0: <laughs> this podcast has also been been bred to have self awareness and is very very depressed.
1: I mean that's pretty accurate. It's got a lot I of anxiety. Think. That's yeah. I mean between the two of us.
0: <laughs> hey you guys. You know um, just a tip out there if you're a person with you know mental illness struggles depression anxiety. What I wouldn't recommend is getting a head injury. It's not going that well. It's not going that well.
1: Try to brain splain people.
0: My doctor also told me not to drink until my headaches go away, which I assume
1: means never again. (laughs) Okay, okay, Doc. We'll get right on that. I've been pretty good. Pretty good. I shouldn't have prescribed you whiskey, (laughs) then. I know, right? It's kind of a mixed message. Just saying.
0: Ooh, I like this little quote here at the beginning, before the contents page. While others are asleep, I think, night is the only time I have to think. Abraham Lincoln. I kind of feel that way sometimes. I like to have the time to myself late at night, when everyone else is in bed.
1: Ruining your thinking time during the day by existing, jerk.
0: Well, I don't like the daytime very much, so. That's fair. I want to do it at nighttime.
1: uh, My undergrad roommate, the guy I lived with freshman, sophomore year, I think was kind of like that. Mm -hmm. Because he would do his homework at just like weird hours. Like it'd be like three or four in the morning. He'd be like up working on something because it was quiet, I think.
0: I never was one to really do work that late most of the time. Unless I was staying up finishing a paper or something. But I just like... I don't know. There's something very like freeing and relaxing about like no one else being up. If I find it comforting, yeah. And uh, I get like, well, I guess I don't really get irritated if someone else is up because if I'm tired enough to go to bed early, then something's going wrong. Probably have a head injury or something. Probably. It's like almost 10 p.m. and I'm drinking an energy drink. So life is
1: working. It's about. Two thirds of one over the last like couple hours, but that's right. I have to do like one thing in the morning and one thing in the afternoon, and otherwise just like grade a bunch of shit tomorrow. So,
0: yeah, well, I've just taken the past couple of days off of work um, for head injury resting purposes because doing data entry and staring at screens for hours is not great for it. So, if I go in for a couple hours tomorrow and feel like garbage, um, I don't think it's gonna be that big of a deal if I go home early.
1: Well, I mean, you can ma- make an effort, see how you do, and then go from there. I suppose.
0: I guess we could talk about the book.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've already talked several times about the book <laughs> in the midst of other other stuff.
0: Um, I'm just gonna go. There's, there's. It's not that long of a. It's less than 200 pages. I'm just going to tell you what the
1: chapters are. I sort of wanted to look. I meant to look. I forgot to look to see if this was like a dissertation because it reads a little um. bit like a dissertation in spots, which is not a bad thing. Just sort of in, in terms of structure and in, in terms of like relative brevity.
0: It's in North Carolina.
1: It seems like it could be. Is there an authors. Or like adapted from, uh, I think on the, on the book jackets over there.
0: Um. Does he look old? He's an associate professor of American studies.
1: Okay, where?
0: Christopher Newport University.
1: Mm, do you not know that.
0: I don't know where that is. He doesn't. He's kind of balding, so it's hard to say. But he doesn't look very old.
1: Yeah, could be. It
0: could be. I'm sure if I Googled it, I could find out. But that's a lot of work. Seems like a lot of work. He looks nice. Like a nice
1: person. A a nice history
0: man? Yes. Let the nice history man tell you about dreams.
1: Posing with a little Civil War statue?
0: Although that does make me think, at least this is interesting. I think of, I took an online history class in grad school that was a 19th century history class that we had to do historiographies for. There were like four of us or something. And we all had to read each other's to give feedback and maybe there were only three of us basically there were two dudes who wrote historiographies about Gettysburg and I was like that's fascinating "Mm, so cliche and boring so
1: fresh ground
0: oh I I did mine on the Lizzie Borden case yeah you did which was really fascinating but anyway this book um I'll just give the chapter headings and then we can kind of go from there um, the first chapter is called The Soldier's Rest. Chapter two, The Soldier's Dream. Chapter three, Civilians' Dreams. Chapter four, African-American Dreams. Chapter five, Dreams of the Dying. Chapter six, Dreams in Popular Culture. Chapter seven, Lincoln's Dreams of Death. And then there's a short epilogue. But
1: Actually pronounced epilogy.
0: <laughs> um, are you sure? There's a lot of letters in there. I think it's pronounced epilogue.
1: Epilogy like the things you burned. it's an epil- <sighs> Do you think to i'm
0: a... too stupid to know what an epilogoogly is I'm
1: trying to make an effigy joke man you're <laughs> not picking it oh, up sorry i always wanted to, to list my uh occupation as effigist somewhere <laughs> sometime
0: <laughs> oh also there's this uh anecdote in the um the preface about how uh the, i guess the tune of um Uh, Battle Hymn of the Republic is based on uh, the song John Brown's Body. Yeah, duh. I maybe knew that, but... John Brown's a badass.
1: He was a badass. Still is a badass. Should have interviewed his ghost. Haunting white nationalists right now. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to
0: cast aspersions, but I feel like he's not doing a great
1: job. He's one dude. There's a lot of of people out there.
0: That is true. Hey... Hey ghosts, anti-racist ghosts out there? Like could you really just step it up, please? Cuz I have, I have a concussion. I can't be out fighting racism. Could you get you guys get into the dreams of uh Nazis and such and fuck make them scared. That's right. I'm participating in what is called call-out culture. <laughs> I'm called out. Ghosts okay, you did for not stopping racism,
1: it's pretty much their fault
0: mm-hmm. I can kind of go through an order if you just wanna say some stuff that you think is interesting.
1: I've just got a bunch of like interesting things, okay, so i don't I don't know how you wanna approach this. sounds like you might have more structure or not. I don't know.
0: I mean, I can go through an order, and that will be by chapter. I don't yeah. know that that helps you in any stuff,
1: way. I just have stuff marked by page number. I don't have it by chapter break, so I don't know which stuff is which.
0: Um, probably not even all of this is interesting. Some of these chapters, I was just marking things to have marked something in that chapter.
1: Pity marks. That's the worst.
0: They're not pity marks as much as it's just like... I find his arguments uncontroversial and a lot of the stuff was just, like, is this anecdote interesting or not?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what most of my notes are, I think.
0: Well, I guess, like, c- we could start off... In the preface, he talks about, like, what dreams are or what we know about them, like, physiologically, anyway. He talks about REM sleep. Yeah. Um, but they talk about how if you've been deprived of REM sleep, you can go directly into REM stage as soon as you drop off. Um, So people that can be a sleep disorder thing, um, stress, um, and I'm on preface page 21. It says, however, it is likely that civil war soldiers experienced dreams early in their sleep precisely because of how tired and stressed they were. So, um, they talk about like, you know, like laying on the ground and immediately falling asleep and then having these elaborate dreams that they then write to their families about. Yeah. Um, and that was in part because um, they were super sleep deprived um, and hadn't gotten any REM sleep. So they could, like their bodies would like immediately put them into it, which I think is interesting.
1: The one thing I appreciated, which I think is from the the preface. This is page double X mm-hmm. uh, where he was talking about like, hey, maybe, you know,
0: double X has been diesel's dad. Uh,
1: <laughs> cool cool um <laughs> his grandpa is a single ex saying maybe uh tap the brakes on like being super judgy about people's battlefield decisions because they're just like super sleep deprived all yeah. the
0: time yeah yeah
1: which is something i don't know i feel like he doesn't get mentioned a lot but is a mm-hmm. pretty pretty legit consideration it's like yeah if you're constantly you know sleep deprived maybe you're not going to make the best decisions about no. like what you should do in this moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, which obviously is not to, you know, completely discount people doing stupid shit, but Right. Give a little bit of context. Like, I mean, yeah, there's no sort of excuse for part um of it.
0: George McClellan just sucking. He just sucked. But
1: yeah, he's just a dick, but he just sucked. George Dick Clellan.
0: Hello. Yeah! Pew
1: pew. Saying pew. that guy.
0: <laughs> um Well, then that kind of transitions into chapter one, which is called The Soldier's Rest, which for me actually might have been the most interesting chapter because it just talks about, like, how fucking little sleep they got.
1: Is that the one that has the discussion about the guys who, like, fell asleep on guard duty? Yes. And were going to be executed? Yes. And then Lincoln pardoned them because, you know, what the fuck?
0: Right. Yeah, it was like a court-martialable offense to fall asleep on guard duty. This is I had this on page seven marked um, because he's talking about how like in the 19th century they didn't know shit about like sleep science and stuff. Yeah, and so like they didn't prioritize it.
1: It's a moral failing if you fall asleep on guard duty, right?
0: So it says professional military men thought that falling asleep on picket duty reflected the inherent weakness of a person's character, not the physiological limitations of the human body. Um, If a sentinel fell asleep, that meant he was ill disciplined. I believe by the end we find out that no soldier during the Civil War, in the Union Army anyway, was ever executed for falling asleep on guard duty because Lincoln pardoned them all. Um, Because also, like, I understand that you need people to be fucking alert and shit. People don't fall asleep just to be jerks. (laughs) They're just super duper tired. Even if knowing that you might hang for it um can't can't keep you awake, then I think that means you're pretty fucking tired. Yeah. Yeah, just a lot about like lack of sleep and how much um they talked about how tired they were all all the time in their diaries and in their letters home and stuff. Um because they were. Um the next chapter is about the soldier's dream, which is kind of this um it becomes kind of like a cliche, it's like a, a cultural motif. Like, they're all sorts of, like, paintings and postcards and shit of the soldier's dream of home, basically. Yeah. There's an iconic image that has been copied over and over again. There's a bunch of examples in here where it's just, like, the soldier asleep on the ground by the fire and the tents, and then, you know, bubble in the sky of, you know, him running into the arms of his wife and children and blah, blah, blah. Gross.
1: Yeah. So, head and arms.
0: It's incredibly het norms none of those soldiers were dreaming of running to the arms of their husbands
1: they have to their husbands were in camp with them
0: oh that's true they did snuggle up together yep because um they're fucking cold and had like one blanket between three people and shit yep
1: uh i think both of these things are from that chapter mm-hmm. um first of all the idea the idea of uh dudes having wet dreams I have something marked about that. That would make you, like, unfit for service, theoretically. Uh Uh-huh. And so dudes would just, like, fake it to try to get uh, kicked out. Yeah. Which, uh, that strikes me as something that would be, you know, well, A, not really something you can control. Sure. If it's a, like, legit wet dream situation. Right. Uh, and b i feel like there's enough of that going on that if you like tried to kick out everyone who either had a wet dream or was just like jerking off recreationally right uh you would have no one left
0: um yeah on 34 they talk about uh some people really believed that this was like a disability they had (laughs) like kind of like having wet dreams all the time but other people realized they could fake it by you know jerking off to get out of service and um it says uh one team of army surgeons for example found that three out of four patients under their care who claimed to suffer from quote spermaturia had actually produced quote manufactured evidence of the disorder <laughs> so they're just like hey look at my sperms i i can't be in, i can't army anymore because of the spermies
1: I like that as a uh, masturbation euphemism to say you're uh, manufacturing evidence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. My spermaturia just uh, <laughs> is out of control.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, so that one, and then I think it's in that chapter, uh, the dream that dude has where he uh, swallows a bunch of kernels, and then they uh, hack their way out of his leg.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing I have marked.
1: His pretty that might be my favorite dream in the book i think
0: it's definitely the best one here i'll read it this is lieutenant colonel james o churchill was recovering in a hospital in st louis in 1862 he wrote to his parents about some crazy dreams he was having he said quote i would be in a battle and charged to the mouth of a cannon when it would fire and i would be blown to pieces one night i dreamed that two officers came and sat by me their shoulders by their shoulder straps, I saw they were kernels. I swallowed them both, then they passed down into my fractured leg, took out their swords, and commenced hewing their way out. And then it would wake him up and um, fuck up, and he'd, like, fuck up his unset broken leg again. But I imagine that the leg thing is probably why he was having dreams about people trying to hack their way out.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it probably felt like someone was hacking their way out.
0: Also, it's hardcore. That's like um that reminds me of something that would have been in uh Master and Margarita. Yeah. Or like a Gogol book or something. I could like see some that. Some weird like Russian thing.
1: No giant cats in this book, unfortunately. Bullshit.
0: Yeah, so a lot of the dreams the soldiers had are just boring like, "Oh, I miss you, wife." Um and there's a lot of that. But on 45, I like this um, mm, eh, dude from Virginia. He was keeping a dream journal for a while, which I guess back in the day, people thought it was interesting to talk about dreams, so they did it all the time.
1: Well, I mean, no TV. What That's, you true. Do? That's true.
0: That's um, true. But this is my favorite. In one dream, he he dreamed his sister didn't want to kiss him because he had a big mustache.
1: Classic stash dream.
0: Just amused me, basically. Um, I don't know, uh, Civilian's Dreams? You got anything about that?
1: Uh, what does that go up to? My next note's on 73.
0: Yeah, that's part of that chapter. Uh, it goes up to page 80.
1: I think this was about, um, like, former slaveholders, or slaveholders ho- who were soon to be former slaveholders. Sure. Having these, like paternalistic dreams of concern about like what's going to happen to their slaves once they're freed and uh in their dreams i'm, r- their I'm rolling so my they're eyes like, grateful and uh you know want to come back to them and stay with them gross uh and uh seem pretty pretty a uh, little, little bit delusional maybe. <laughs> but in terms of how that's actually going to play out
0: like well, maybe, yeah. Some of them might stay there because they don't know
1: what else to maybe do. Maybe your slaves like you. Maybe your slaves are just waiting to chop off your head, which I feel like is probably what I would have wanted to do in that situation. But, you know. I, d- I
0: do think there's a decent amount of, like, Stockholm Syndrome stuff that happens, though. Yeah. I mean, just I suppose to, if you're
1: born into that, you're raised in that situation. But. Just to be able to, like, cope. Yeah. And survive. <laughs> yeah. But.
0: Also, head chopping off wanting is a legitimate response, too. Yeah.
1: Fuck those guys.
0: Um, yeah, this chapter is just a lot about like people's wives writing letters and being like, I miss
1: you. Dumb. Um, Why don't you join the army, wife?
0: Right? On 59, it talks about, it says union military authorities would confiscate dispiriting letters from home before they could reach their intended recipients, so that it wouldn't be too much of a downer. Like, our soldiers can't soldier if you're going to be a bummer, Nancy. Seriously? Fucking Nance? (laughs) This is a weird little anecdote. 172. One night, a North Carolina attorney dreamed that he was deaf when the Yankees reached his home apparently thought it was a good idea for when the union soldiers finally did arrive sometime later, he quote played deaf So he wouldn't have to talk to them, (laughs) which Uh, like, honestly, kind of respect.
1: Yeah. I don't
0: know. Did you have anything on African American dreams?
1: Uh, the only thing I have, I think this is 94. So that's within that chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, and this isn't unique to this particular book. Uh, but I always find it really kind of weird when uh, other authors, or I guess it's primary source material yeah. that he's quoting, uh, tries to, like, write, like, uh, black vernacular anyway. Oh, yeah, that's so uncomfortable. Like, I understand on one level you want to capture, you know, the way that people are actually speaking, mm-hmm. uh, but it just looks really racist somehow.
0: Oh, yeah, it looks racist as hell. Oh, uh, well, also, I mean, yeah, that was like writing in dialect. Like, that was the standard for so long. And uh, they did that with a lot of the, um, was it like a WPA project during the Depression where they went and recorded like old slaves' stories and stuff? Like, there Sense. were a bunch of those. Right, maybe. But and yeah. I think that's where they've gotten some stuff, some of this stuff. And yeah, the, they would like transcribe it in like dialect
1: which is so dumb cuz everyone talks in a dialect. Well yeah, very very few people if any talk in like No one speaks
0: like, conventional like the conventional p- written English. No one speaks in the printed word because that's not like phonetically it's not it it's not a straight like phonetic translation. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just like emphasizing that these people are different. Right. And it's like And somehow, like, lesser because they're using a, like, corrupted form of English.
0: Well, and it's so annoying because if you heard them speaking, you would probably mostly understand what they were saying. But when you have to, like, look at these, the way that they've spelled it out in the fake dialect, it's like you have to read it, like, aloud to yourself in your head.
1: Yeah, it's so sort of you can anxious. hear it
0: and be like, oh, that's what they're trying to capture. And
1: that's not, I mean, that's not this author. He's not no, doing that, but he's no. just sort of quoting materials that do that. And so it's, right. it's always a little bit jarring and kind of frustrating. Right. It feels a little bit icky.
0: It's like so many of the things, and so many of the things in there are, I mean, obviously there is like such a thing as African-American vernacular English, but also like a lot of the pronunciations and like stuff are just, casual like casual speaking that you know a speaker of quote standard english would do too right right right. i don't know they talked about people who were currently enslaved like dreaming of freedom um and then getting depressed when they wake up and they're not free
1: sure or people
0: who had escaped to freedom um having dreams that they had been captured and stuff i'm sure you would
1: this is really tangential but uh, i read it in that that book i'm reading now uh it was talking about uh when obama was uh like a college teacher like when he taught college classes because this is partly about like this book is sort of about his participation in the like drone program mm-hmm. um, and he assigned something uh, a piece from frederick Douglass. Uh, I forget the exact title of it, but it's, like, Is It Okay to Kill a Slave Catcher? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's this piece he wrote when um, someone who was, like, trying to catch a fugitive slave somewhere in the north uh, had actually, like, captured this guy and was trying to sort of take him into custody, and a mob formed. Uh, and they freed the guy and ended up killing the person who was trying to catch him. Uh-huh. Um, and so it was this sort of argument of, is it okay to basically sort of, I don't know, exact extra legal <clears throat> justice like that and was using it as sort of this you know precursor to Obama making these decisions about drone stuff, hmm. uh, which seemed interesting. But I, that interesting. just made me think of it, I guess, the sort of like idea of the fugitive slave. Because uh, I would think in, in very basic terms, like, yeah, fuck those guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, generally, you don't want vigilante mobs running around. Sure, 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 um, sure. But in that case, fuck that guy.
1: Yeah. I just thought that was sort of interesting. Yeah. Uh, interesting. But that's, that's tangential. But.
0: So interesting. Um, uh, it's also in that chapter about African American dreams where um, he writes about um, like dream interpretation. And like, um, like symbolic stuff. Um, but like not stupid Freudian shit. Right. And talking about how, um, they've been able to trace some of it to like African roots, but also some of it clearly was influenced by like European cultures too. Um, although I did, like, I'm not gonna read all of them, but here, um, this is on 92. Um, oh, okay, this is what I was talking about. The, a series of interviews with ex-slaves in Georgia in the 30s from the Federal Writers Project. Had a list of slave folk remedies and superstitions. I'm just going to tell you a couple of the superstitions. Um, to dream of fish is a sign of motherhood. Um, to dream of a funeral is a sign of a wedding. To dream of a wedding is a sign of a funeral. Uh, to dream of dead folk is a sign of rain. To dream that your teeth fall out is a sign of a death in the family. etc. Was
1: that teeth, teeth falling out was like an anxiety one? Well,
0: according to this, it's also a sign that someone in your family is going to die.
1: All right, Julie noted.
0: hmm And then later in the chapter, he writes about, like, religious dreams, like as revelations from God and how like uh, eventually uh, white, in the post-war era the white people would be like hey, you guys are having too many like dreams and stuff. For our church it makes us uncomfortable.
1: Um, Turn it down, man.
0: Yeah. You guys seem like you're having fun at church and that's not what
1: we're into.
0: No dream. You got anything on dreams of dreams of the
1: dying? Um, it had uh, this concept of the uh, exemplary sufferer, which I thought was sort of interesting, uh, where like basically sort of what the model is for how you're supposed to handle that situation if you are like dying or injured mm-hmm. or whatever. And this idea of like courage, honor, faithfulness, self-sacrifice is how you're supposed to do that. So people are just like performing that in these dreams that they're either having or just, like, recounting it as having had. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I thought was sort of interesting. That, like, there's a right way to do that, and so people are playing into that. Uh, and that either sort of informs their dreams or informs their sort of interpretation or relation of them.
0: Uh, also, uh, this chapter is where he talks about, like, pre- presentiments. Of death, so people dreaming about death, either soldiers or their family members, like, before they die.
1: I I think that's part of what that was, too, that, like, you have this dream that you're going to die, and you could just, like, wuss out and decide not to go into battle, but, like, that's not what you're supposed to do. So you're supposed to just go ahead, even if you have this sort of, you know, heads up that something bad is going to happen, that, like, the appropriate, you know, manly thing to do is to just, like, go out there and get killed, even if you think that's what's coming. Well, you gotta do it for your bros or whatever.
0: Well, and it's so interesting because it's like, of course, especially if it comes true, you're gonna like everybody you told about that dream is gonna be like, oh, that was a dream that really meant something or whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but also like, so many people died, and it was like you were fighting every day. There was always a chance you were gonna die, so it makes sense that you would have dreams of death. Sure, sure, sure. sure. And like, you know doesn't mean anything it was also interesting um he talks about different effects on morale those kinds of dreams would have like if a soldier had a dream he was gonna die the idea that uh you might have a dream that you were gonna die and then if you survived that you or even if you didn't but you might act with more recklessness because you believe that it's like out of your hands yeah um, because the dream told you you were gonna die, so it doesn't really matter what you do. So you like yeah, try and so be it braver or whatever,
1: confirming sort of thing, right? Just stupid because you think you can't do anything about it.
0: Well, and there's a story on 107 about a dude who had a dream that he'd be killed, and then what he thought was the end of the battle, he like went up to somebody and was like, "Uh, oh, I guess I survived." But like right as they were talking. It wasn't actually over. A bullet struck him in the forehead and he died. Yeah. It's fucked up. But also kind of funny in retrospect.
1: Yeah. No, it is kind of funny.
0: It's like ironic. Right. Don't you think? Exactly. Let's see. Page 118, there's a thing about how superstitious rituals tend to increase in like times of uncertainty um which makes sense when you have no control over your environment you try to make meaning wherever you can
1: okay uh so the one on 132 uh i don't think he actually names the person which makes it even better oh yeah there's this yeah. Really extensive like page long beatdown of uh one modern scholar uh-huh where he just like completely destroys whoever this person's perspective is yes on something I, uh-huh Because I feel like he's very, like, even-handed for the most part, Mm -hmm. but then there's just this one page where he, like, brings the hammer down on this person, which I really uh, appreciated.
0: Yeah, I remember that.
1: Just because it feels like, it's not like, it's like a definite sort of shift in tone. Mm -hmm. Just like, oh, okay, so he's coming for this person. All right, fair enough.
0: Did not agree with that interpretation. Yeah,
1: I like that. I don't know who this is. I want to say this. What's this chapter, the theme of this Dreams in popular culture. Okay, um, I want to say it's like an officer or something uh, has this dream uh, of uh, Buchanan in hell, mm-hmm. uh, and so Buchanan gets down there and uh, uh, John C. Hel- Calhoun is the uh, the sheriff of hell because apparently like Satan's taking a taking a personal day mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. uh, which I appreciate. Yeah, I had that marked too
0: dude john c calhoun the worst i mean i don't believe in hell but if there is one that guy's there he's 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 chilling he's in the bad place
1: or in his dress pitch t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> some of the jefferson davis stuff in that chapter i think i feel like there's stuff later on too some of the stuff about how he was sort of treated in captivity was kind of interesting
0: Oh, yeah, the like they would wouldn't
1: just like fuck with him and they wouldn't let sleep him sleep, yeah. yeah, which is sort of interesting, uh which I get from sort of like a vengeance perspective, but also you know also this torture, torture. yeah, uh, but there's uh, they had a couple I think sort of like postal covers or images, mm-hmm. and there's one where he's being uh crowned by Satan, that was a particular favorite of mm-hmm, mine. mm-hmm. uh,
0: really good one this is just a random thing on page 142 um there was this story circulating um that george washington had um, appeared to george mcclellan in a vision one night
1: probably um, telling me he was a dick
0: revealing the confederate's plans Be
1: slammed dunked on him in the dream
0: here i'll just read the quote in 142 a humble mcclellan resolved to act quickly while these two details, the generals, humility and celerity, undermine the credibility of the story. Ha ha. The publisher's claim, blah 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 blah.
1: I just thought that was some good
0: that was some good McClellan shade. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, that never happened. That dude sucked.
1: Probably continues to suck in whatever afterlife you may or may not be in. Mm-hmm.
0: And then this chapter also has like a bunch of like postcards and like political cartoons. And I think my favorite is one called um, Columbia's Nightmare. And so like the figure of Columbia, the woman. Yeah. And this like crazy looking uh, Jefferson Davis is like sitting on her like an imp. He's got crazy hair.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the depictions of Jefferson Davis are fun just in general. <laughs> pretty sweet. About this dude sucking pretty hard. Which, I mean, from what I know of him, accurate. Yeah.
0: So there's all sorts of stories, and the, I've I've read them, too, about, like, Lincoln having all these prophetic dreams about his own death and his own assassination. Um, but this chapter is largely, like, that was probably mostly bullshit yeah. <laughs> made up
1: afterwards. yeah. Um, well, they, he did a good job of breaking down, was it, like, one of Lincoln's, like, aides or something? Mm-hmm. Who had a story that changed over time? Yes. And was maybe even sort of, like made up after the fact. Yeah. Uh, which I thought was sort of interesting.
0: Well, yeah, because like the day or the day, either the day of or the day before he was assassinated, he came to his, he had like a cabinet meeting, was like, I had this weird dream. and, it, um, But it wasn't like a dream of his death specifically. And then it kind of morphed into like a prophetic dream kind of thing. And then like, depending on... Who was writing about it and when? It was like different people claimed to have been there and that he said different things and blah blah blah. Although him having a dream about himself being assassinated, like it's not like it was unknown that people wanted him dead. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah yeah yeah.
0: There yeah. was a war. <laughs> right. I mean, obviously, it wasn't just about him, but not,
1: like not a popular dude. No. No.
0: Oh this story about his dream has appeared in a ton of places. Oh of a a White House funeral dream which I've read places before that he went downstairs that supposedly he had this dream he went downstairs in the White House and there was a funeral and he asked like oh whose funeral is this and someone's like the president's dead. But it's probably it's bullshit. And so he talks about all the different like books that have repeated the story and tv shows including touch by an angel and uh let's see 1162 it says the dream appears finally the dream appears in presidential trivia books and is a staple in the cottage industry of books about spiritualism the paranormal and dream interpretation even appearing in a 1965 nigerian dream manual which is random yeah yeah it's just um yeah The whole chapter is just about how it's like there's all this myth making in the aftermath of his assassination where um some stories are probably made up whole cloth and other ones are like distorted and over time and people tell their kids and their grandkids or it gets printed in one place so people print it like it's the truth um yeah that's all i have to say about that on 176 um so um oh he talks about how much harder it is to find um descriptions of dreams um after the war you know like ha- trying to study like um you know dreams and PTSD among veterans or anything like that is really difficult um because it didn't exist You're right it didn't But uh what's our author white oh but White is saying, like that makes sense, though, because once the war ended, like the soldiers weren't writing to their loved ones anymore, so instead they just talked to them in person about their dreams, like yeah, um, on a day to day basis, like they did before the war, and so we just don't have the kind of like written uh, material that there was during the war when people were separated like that, yeah, because he does um argue and I think effectively that that was a way for people to stay close to each other was to, to do something as every day as talk about their dreams. And they clearly thought that they were important and meaningful. And,
1: um, yes. Uh, the only other thing I have in the, uh, epilogue is, uh, it was a dream of a dude who, uh, had something amputated. I want to say like a hand or part of an arm or something. Uh, uh-huh. uh, but in his, in his dreams, he had the, the whole limb, Oh and he yeah. can use the rest of it. I thought that was of really mm-hmm. interesting, the like phantom limb kind of thing. That uh I don't know his brain still remembers it being there and still acts as if it's there. Yeah. Kind of which was sort of interesting. Phantom limb stuff is sort of fascinating. It is really fascinating. Itself, uh, yeah. I thought that was sort of cool.
0: Yeah, that he never yeah, he never dreamed of himself without the Yeah, hand or the arm or whatever like it was. With
1: his, uh, Tacked limb originally i mm-hmm. thought that was sort of cool but that's it that's what i got that's, that's
0: pretty much what i got too all
1: right
0: yeah i mean i think it's it's an interesting read if that sort of if you want to hear about like what people used to dream about during the civil war
1: yeah
0: it's intriguing i thought that there would be more about like kind of what the first chapter or so was which was about like actual sleeping and I guess yeah and how that affected dreams and stuff but then it was just like here's a bunch of people's letters about their dreams to their wives and wives to their husbands yeah and I was like okay it's kind of interesting it's neither a you have to read this or a don't read this but it's like it's interesting if that's something that if like if it sounds like it interests you it probably will
1: yeah
0: it's not gonna it yeah it's not like a a tome. So, yeah. Oh, we have, uh, something that we are going to be doing, um, in the future, um, probably between, uh, our, our book club meetings here. Haven't managed to get it started yet. I'm just going to continue to blame my concussion for everything. Sure. Uh, (laughs) where we'll be watching, um, movies that, um, are either, Uh, based on some of the books we read or closely related to those books and um yeah we're gonna watch them and talk about how shitty they are mostly and those will be fun little in between episodes i'm not gonna call them a mini episode because i don't know how long they're gonna be but they might be
1: i mean i would imagine if we're watching like a 90 minute film there's probably gonna be i don't know half hour of usable content there but we'll see
0: yeah we'll see probably depends on the movie yeah um but we will be reading we'll be doing a, a trash slash hate read um for our next book club meeting um but hopefully before that we'll get one of these movies in uh, we have a few lined up whatever we can find for free on streaming or whatever other than that um you have any parting words for the people
1: no good
0: Isaac has no words for the people.
1: Um, God themselves.
0: I mean, if you think about it, all property is theft. So it's true. that's what I want you to meditate on for now. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, we have an email address, couplesbookclubcast at gmail.com. We have a website, couplesbookclub.blog. And also, you can find us on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter or um, Instagram at Dinalore Rexnunt. And um, keep keep it keep it re- real. <laughs> See you on the flippity flop. Other nineties. Uh, other catchphrases. <laughs> cool. cool. All right. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.